When it comes to wisdom and knowledge, there is a very small percentage of stuff where I feel extremely competent. And the rest, I am a big dunce. <laughs> like, I just don't know. And uh, I have to humbly admit that I don't have the answers. And it's with that humble stance and a curiosity that I enter into this conversation. Because today I am honored to be joined by my friend, first and foremost, and my, my colleague as a ruckus maker, uh, Jason Dropic. And we get to dig into his story. Growing up as an American Indian in an urban setting in Milwaukee, and what it's like now to serve as the head of school at the Indian Community School in Franklin, Wisconsin. Jason's no joke. This guy is super cool, extremely wise, and has unbelievable impact. He's also the president of the National Indian Education Association. So kudos to him. Like he's having huge, huge impact. You'll also want to stick around until the end of the podcast. So not only are you going to get a great cultural and historical education today, uh, but we're going to hear how Jason thinks about making student days meaningful. And you absolutely want to stick around for how his fourth graders literally changed history in his, in his uh, local area. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after some short messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to develop your skills to identify challenges, incorporate and support innovation, and plan and drive school improvement in leading school strategy and innovation. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Apply by January 21st at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. I'm going to tell you now that this is going to be one of my favorite recordings ever. So I'm setting the stage, and that's because uh, me and this ruckus maker, Jason, go back in time and... Uh, We've been, we've been friends. We've been colleagues for years. Uh, I remember meeting you. I don't remember what city was in, but one of those uh, national principals uh, conferences. And we went out and got some lunch and that kind of thing. Um, but Jason has a, a very special place in my heart. So delighted to introduce Jason Dropping, who's an educational leader serving diverse communities with his just cause in creating meaningful and lasting relationships. 
He has served both public and private schools in and near Milwaukee, Wisconsin for over 20 years. Mr. Jopic currently serves as the head of school at the Indian Community School in Franklin, Wisconsin. Mr. Jopic believes in the power of diverse collaboration and is also serving, listen to this, as the president of the National Indian Education Association, Wisconsin Association of Environmental Education board member, and various professional and community organizations. He is committed to building community, expanding collaborations, and creating student leadership opportunities. So, Buju, uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, Buju, Danny, with that hype there, I, I better make sure that I come through. Uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. Looking forward to, to talking with you today. Yeah, well, you already have. And that's that's because we have this relational you know, trust and capital that's been built up over time. I create this show for sure for people like you, right? And for the ruckus maker community at large. But at the end of the day, this show works. And I think that's the reason why there's over a million and a half downloads. I'm scratching my own itch, right? I'm, I'm answering questions that I'm curious about. And so your uh, willingness to be here with me in this moment, I'm already, you know, just having a blast. And then we get to put it out for free and serve the larger ruckus maker community. So you, you have already over delivered. So one of, you know, where I wanted to start, you have an interesting career and I, I could get some of these parts wrong. So correct me where I am wrong, but I, I believe like where you're at now, your mentor was like moved and all of a sudden you're the leader of the school and it's like, oh, what do I do with that? Right. So if I got that right, t- talk to me about that moment. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, you did get to greet everyone by saying Buju. So uh, Buju. Babami Banes and Dishnakaz, Minnewaki and Dunjaba, Magizi and Dudem, Anishinaabe and Dao, Chimigwich, Danny, for everything that you do. That is Ojibwe. It's a language that I'm learning. I'm a member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Ojibwe. Their reservation is currently located in northern Wisconsin, but very much grew up in urban American Indian and trying to trying to navigate what does that look like. And so my journey has been. Uh, interesting to say the least. And so I was not really uh, thinking that I was going to be in education. I was actually pre-med for a year. Uh, I'd worked in restaurant management and and then I decided I didn't want to do that any longer. And I wasn't going to go on to med school. And I, I was a little bit lost and not sure exactly what I wanted to do. And the Indian Community School became an opportunity for me to become a teaching assistant uh, in my early 20s. And I, I took that on at that school at that time not really sure what that meant other than I was going to hang out with kids all day. And I got the opportunity to coach basketball, which I was interested in at that time and, and not have to work in restaurants and flip burgers and, and greet everyone and handle those. And I thought that my customer service was going to be just a little bit different. Turns out later in leadership, it comes around to look a lot similar to the worlds that I served in, in food service. <laughs> uh, but I, I did, I started as a teaching assistant and my the teacher that I was the teaching assistant for later became the principal at the school that I currently serve at. And she had actually reached out to me and, and offered me the opportunity to come interview for a position teaching middle school at that time. And I had a job. I was in public schools. I was a middle school science teacher. I was, I loved what I was doing. Uh, loved the community that I was serving. 
but that opportunity to come back where I had started, uh, that opportunity to come full circle in our cultural ways is really significant. And the fact that she was asking, mm. she had taught me so much about education. My first two years in education, she taught me so much about building relationships and being a part of a community and what that really means and how pivotal that can be in changing the trajectory of an individual and, and their families. And so to come back and be able to serve with her was, was a great opportunity. I ended up getting offered that position in middle school uh, and then started working and moving my way up. I was getting my administrative degree, uh, was interested in, in serving at a higher capacity, trying to impact more people in ways to create learning environments that supported relationships and growth. And I had that opportunity and then, and then things changed and she was uh, not going to be able to, to be the leader of the organization. And, and I was thrust in an interim role at that time for someone who I really admired and someone who really had taught me a lot, but then trying to navigate that conflict that I had internally around, you know, not, uh, there were struggles there in terms of that she was very well liked within the community and, and we were, and how do I, how do I follow? How do I try to do this in a respectful way? And how do I continue to serve this community? And so that, that came on suddenly, but it was definitely something that I was, you know, conflicted in terms of really wanting to continue to support her, but also knowing that I, I wanted to continue to grow and I really wanted to serve this, this community at a high level. And so that, that opportunity. And, and I think that I still, to this day, you know, have all of those positive qualities that she instilled in me you know, I think about them often and I think about how do I serve with her, uh, her teachings as a part of my foundation. And that's been a, a really unique opportunity here. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Jason. Uh, I'd love to hear how you navigated that a bit, you know, uh, different scenario, but I was, you know, the school where I was principal down in Houston, they had a beloved, you know, a beloved principal there that was there forever. And then they moved her from the middle school to high school, which was awesome. But the staff never said goodbye, right? Like she was, she was still there in their minds. And I think, I don't know if, I don't know if it was two, it might've been two. I might've been the third principal in like three years after her exit, just taught, you know, it was a hard place to, to lead. And uh, I loved it. Uh, I think we did some nice things there and built some great relationships I don't know that I wasn't the right fit for the school. I certainly wasn't the right fit for a lot of the central office administration and probably some board members. But objectively, I had a, a, a ton of great parent parental and student feedback. So it's, that's me sharing my story a little bit because I was always wondering, like, how do I step out in my own leadership outside of this leader's shadow, which nothing. She was phenomenal. I got to know her. She mentored me a bit in Houston. So she's an amazing, amazing leader. So I'm just curious how you navigated a bit. And you mentioned, you know, like some staying true to the principles she taught you. And I'll, I'll be quiet now and listen to you. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that part of that was really foundational to who I am as a person and building those relationships. So as associate principal, I spent a lot of time just really getting to know uh, the families and the students and the staff really well. And I wanted to make sure that I understood them and that I could see and empathize with perspectives that were outside of my own. I think that good leaders, they really have an understanding of the people that they serve. And it doesn't mean that we have the same 
feelings or thoughts at times, it's good to have some discussions around our differences. I think that makes all of us better. And so for her, she was though very committed towards the mission of the school. You saw it in everything that she did. And you, you would notice it by the way in which that she made sure that American Indian culture was really at the root of everything that we were trying to do, which is our mission. And that was important. And I had grown up without that. And so I know that her passion for that and what that gives our students, I knew for me was part of what I was missing growing up. And that was really a void that got filled through my work with the school. Not only was I able to serve the community, but I was starting to fill holes in myself and in, in areas that I, I didn't have all the tools necessary to, to thrive in challenging situations because I was just without some of those teachings, without those ways of being that was true of, of people that came before me. So when I, when I took on, it was, you know, it rubbed some people the wrong way because I really wanted to be confident. I wanted to, to say that we can do this together and that, yes, this is hard, uh, but we need to do it for the students. And in some ways, some staff members uh, definitely felt as if I was moving on and that wasn't the case at all. I was trying to move forward. And so I think that making sure that they knew who I was and then having those honest conversations, I'm not trying to replace that, you know, that leader. I can't, I'm not her. And so, but what I am trying to do is continue in what she was trying to do as well as offer uh, areas where I had a different perspective than she did to help us even be more full? How do we continue to grow? And so we, we navigated that together and it was, it was a challenging situation, but what we did was we had honest conversations. You know, these are things that have changed in, in our community, but this is how we are going to go forward together and why we're going to do it back on those, that founding mission uh, of those, those amazing leaders and ancestors that came before us and created a space that we have to serve. Yeah. You mentioned a number of times now, like the ancestors that came came before you and that kind of thing. And to be quite honest, like I don't I don't think about that a lot from myself, right? In my culture, it's different too from my wife and uh, the Shauna culture. And I hear it more because I'm actually learning the Shauna language. I'm twice a week, right? I have a tutor, and it's it's really because there's a when you're showing respect, right, to an elder, there's a way you talk about them. It's the same way of talking about a group of people, which I find fascinating, but it's also kind of like this, um, this ancestry too, that it taps into, which is why it's so uh, revered. But yeah, tell us, tell us more about like how you stay in touch with that part of your culture and what the ancestors have left you. Absolutely. Thanks for that, Danny. I think that, you know, part of it is I always had a sense that, you know, there was parts that I just didn't understand in growing up. So why was I so comfortable being outside and in the environment? Why did I find myself at peace in those areas, even though I grew up very much, you know, right outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, an urban setting, uh, fast pace. I, I constantly want to be on the go, but I'm most at peace in some of these, you know, real tranquil, still moments when I can just feel around me. Um, a sense of belonging. And I think that that's really has been pivotal and foundational to, you know, my leadership and building of relationships, but there are so many teachings and experiences that American Indian uh, history has provided that were either erased or moved or, or taken away. Even as we think about the impact of boarding schools on communities and having kids ripped away from their, their families and what that does to a family. And my grandparents, um, you know, didn't have that happen, but they moved to an urban setting from a, a non, from a rural location for jobs and housing. And so they were 
not forcibly removed, but moved away from their communities. And what that did for my grandmother and for my mom as they continued to raise me, there was there was some of these teachings and ways of being that were just not continued. And so for me, the ancestors, those that came before us, they really talked about living in in balance and living in harmony with all of creation, everything around us. And how do we how do we slow down enough to be observant of all of the gifts that are in front of us. And that sense of gratitude has been really helpful through a pandemic and changes that exist mm. in schools and communities because that thankfulness and gratitude, it's its hard to, to be upset and to not think about, you know, there are many challenges that people face and how do I help to positively impact those around me? Because I don't know what all those challenges are at all given moments. And so I try to frame it in that sense of gratitude. And that's all these teachings that I continue to get. And and the hard part is, is the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know enough. And that, that's always that challenge, that perpetual state of yeah. there's this wealth of knowledge and experience and these opportunities. And I start learning a little bit about it. And then I am like, oh man, I really don't know enough. And I'm going to continue to seek that knowledge, you know, as I, I continue to grow. Yeah, growth mindset, you know, curious uh, mind. Like these are these are hallmarks of a awesome leader like you. Um, I don't know if there's anything from your your history growing up in an urban setting that you might share with the the ruckus maker listening. So if he or she has a student just like you, like I don't I don't know. Um, that's just off the top of my head. Absolutely, I would love to. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I a little bit more just about my my kind of coming into education was is that I, I grew up as an American Indian student in an urban setting, but I lived in a predominantly white neighborhood and I went to a private um, religious school. And so I very much looked different than many of all of my classroom peers and most of the people in my school. And I knew that I looked a little bit different. I knew that I had some different ancestry than many of them in the classroom, but I didn't really know what that meant. And so I, I missed a sense of belonging, mostly because the teachers at that time, you know, were doing a good job trying to teach us everything that they needed to teach us, similar to how they were taught, uh, cared about our, our well-being. But that getting to know students, I think, is what I would take away from that, is really get to know your students, that they're not all the same. They have so many different aspects and parts to them. And sometimes we can make assumptions about what someone either looks like or where they come from or what that means for them. And it doesn't always. And so I remember specifically in fourth grade, uh, my teacher asking me, well, I know that you're American Indian. You know, will you teach us? This is kind of our American Indian unit. And it was that time. Can you tell us about, about that? And that was hard for me Mm -hmm. because I didn't know a lot. I didn't know enough because I grew up my uh, family had raised me in a way of of really kind of blending in as to tr- protect me from some of the discrimination and racism that was taking place in the city and the experience that my mom had in particular. And so she was trying to protect me from harm, but really it had ended up keeping some of those tools from me. So I think that for any leader, no matter what community you serve and where you're at, getting to know your students, getting to know your staff, really understanding and, and asking them those meaningful questions and listening is so important because students and staff and families, they're not the same, even if they come from the same community. And so the American Indian communities that I serve now, they're diverse and there's not one way of being. And so I have to constantly continue to make sure that I'm challenging myself to get to know them better, continue to get to learn the things that make us alike, but also those things that, you know, are differences that we can celebrate to help support one another. So I think that'd probably be, you know, my suggestion is making sure that you get to know your families and your students as best you can. Yeah, brilliant. Cool. Well, Jason, I'm loving our conversation. Uh, Let's take a quick break to get in a message from our sponsors. 
When we come back, I'd love to start off talking about uh, land acknowledgements and then a cool collaboration that you had with one of our mastermind members. Learn how to successfully drive school change and help your diverse stakeholders establish priorities and improve practice in leading school strategy and innovation. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Topics include vision and goal setting, root cause analysis, organizational alignment, innovation, and more. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Jason Dropic, ruckus maker extraordinaire, and uh, we're, we're having a lovely conversation. I'm learning a lot, so thank you, Jason, for that. Uh, I wanted to talk about land and water acknowledgements because it's out of my own ignorance. I think I, I mentioned it might have been on the intro call or it might have been in the mastermind. I remember hearing um, actually in the alt MBA space, which you know typically attracts some pretty pretty cool people. Uh, they were just talking about the land acknowledgements that they do in Canada. I'm like, oh, we should totally do that, right? And then I, I said, Jason, like, why don't we, like, right, or or something like that? And you're like, oh, we do, <laughs> and, and I was thinking, oh man, you know, just the the ignorance, you know, the the blindness, not not being connected to that kind of stuff. And so I, I do want to talk about that. And there's there's also a really great resource. Um, I hope you would agree, uh, but I found it. it's called native-land.ca. Uh, you may be aware of it, maybe not, but it'll tell you exactly whose land you stand on. And so for me, it's uh, the nations of the Onondaga and the Haudenosaunee um, nations where I live here in uh, central New York. But yeah, let's let's talk about that. And then we'll talk about your work with Colin. But what are what are those land and water acknowledgements? Why are they important? Yeah, absolutely. So we're starting to see that a little bit more in communities and it definitely for our First Nation relatives in Canada, they're a little bit further along than we are here in the United States. Uh, Even from a point of acknowledgement and reconciliation, they've done a lot more work with their First Nations people. And and that's something that we do uh, support as well as we get to visit to discuss. Land water acknowledgement basically is really just that uh, clear understanding that our history is long and there are many ways in which people come to to living in a certain space and and having recognition and understanding about your place in that history for us is really important. So as you think about your your understanding of the place that you reside, knowing that history that exists that is is really diverse and it's really uh, there has been a lot of 
uh, historical context through colonialism here in the United States, and in particular, that impact within our, our tribal communities. So land acknowledgments really acknowledge that existence and the people that, you know, were here, that were living in communities and thriving and supporting one another, that were doing their best to share those teachings with others that they came in contact with, which is really pivotal and foundational as we think about in education, that ability to share. We're all teachers. We're all learners. And how do we continue to grow so that we can support one another? So land acknowledgments help to acknowledge, you know, those changes and the practices that took place that have affected communities and continue to today. And, and does it go like how I did it, where I where you just simply state like, hey, this is the land that I'm occupying, you know, because that's the historical context or, or is there a different way of doing it? Yeah, and different teachings from different individuals uh, exist. The way that you did it is absolutely how I've heard it. And what I have some elders in our communities have often stated because uh, they get asked, you know, can you help us write a land acknowledgement? And some of our elders uh, in particular, one of the elders in the Ho-Chunk community had stated, well, if you're really going to acknowledge those that came before you, it really should come from you. And what is your understanding of that? And how hmm. do you want to acknowledge it? So I can't write that for you. Interesting. Um, you would really have to, you know, as part of your learning and growth in that respect, it is true to you. And in that way, there's not a wrong way of doing it. And so I, I thought that was pretty powerful from that elder to state that they really wanted the people to acknowledge and learn and then be able to share with others. And so that's, it's really acknowledging those that were here traditionally. So here in the what's now called uh, the state of Wisconsin, we have three tribes whose histories take them back um, before time can be um, was written down. And so since the beginning, and so with our Menominee and our Potawatomi's and Ho-Chunk people, you know, their their origin stories take them to this space. And so we we definitely acknowledge them. But here in Wisconsin, we also acknowledge those that are federally recognized as well as our state recognized tribe. So we acknowledge all tribes that that are here, as well as the fact that we're really diverse people and we, we have moved quite a bit. That expansion um, to different communities for different reasons and different purposes, we have over 35 tribes represented at our school currently. And so we do our best to try to acknowledge as many people as we can, knowing that, you know, traditional homelands, we can definitely trace back and we can talk about that. But then also those that have called this place home and really just want to acknowledge all that they did to take care of it, as well as all of those teachings that uh, either we have uh, and we want to give thanks for those that we have lost and we really hope to reconnect with. Awesome. And uh, one of the best parts about you know, facilitating and uh, really gathering people to join the mastermind is to see the connections that happen. And and sometimes you all do it clandestinely and I don't find out until, you know, much, much later. And it's like, wow, you did that? Like, tell me more. And I think one of those examples uh, is that you worked with another No Pockets. We name all our cohorts. So Colin and Jason are in the same cohort. Uh, and I think you, I think you worked with him on a land and water acknowledgement. And do you mind just uh, talking about that process real quick? Yeah, absolutely. And and we learned that through the opportunity that you had created, that idea of mastermind and really just um, that concept and idea of flattening walls. So expanding your perspective and understanding. And that's really the mastermind has provided me with opportunities to grow with other leaders um, and really creating, creating that space for us to gather together. Colin reached out. Uh, as they were working on acknowledging a, a truer history that exists here in the United States and wanting to be able to acknowledge the space that they were on. 
And through our discussions, he was able to uh, send some information to me. We were able to connect a, a few times and discuss, you know, what was his intent? What was he trying to do? We we're able to connect with the communities that uh, traditionally lived in the area where his school resides because what they wanted to do is really continue to raise capacity within their students and their community around this I the idea of, of teaching a more complete history and making sure that they were acknowledging those that, that were in that space prior to them and just really giving that gratitude and thanks. And so we were able to collaborate on that and, and their land and water acknowledgement. We also here at our school uh, want to acknowledge water as it's really important. So that's not always true in everyone's land acknowledgements and that's okay, but we, we like to, and we know how important that is and Colin felt that that was important too for his community. So we collaborated on it. They have it. And then at events where they're gathering together, they're able to share that land and water acknowledgement. So then people ask questions. It starts a dialogue about what was that about and how can I learn more? And I think that by raising, you know, empathy in others is something that we try to do in schools and we want to continue to do in ourselves so that we can understand. And hopefully we don't have uh, as many conflicts. We know that in, you know, the United States, there's been a lot of challenges around race and around culture. And what does that look like? And really, we think that that comes from a lot of just lack of understanding. And as mm -hmm. we get the opportunity to grow together, then we can, we can support one another and learn about those differences and really celebrate and acknowledge them as opposed to have them divide us or separate us. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned uh, Colin and you collaborating as a result of meeting in the mastermind, which is super cool. Let's just let's talk mastermind one one more brief second, and uh, I'd love to hear. I don't know, and, and I did, definitely didn't preview this question, so take time to think if you need to. But I'm wondering in the mastermind if there was ever a moment where you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm able to do this," or like, "I can't believe my leadership is like at this level," or or something around that. If that makes sense, I'm, I'm just curious if you ever had one of those type of moments. I had those moments quite often. And what's interesting is, uh, so I, I first got to be exposed to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast as I was traveling to Florida and I needed something to listen to. And so I downloaded a whole bunch of episodes and that's how then I reached out to you shortly. After did you make your family it. listen to it or something like that? No, no, oh, okay. I did have earpods and <laughs> I had earbuds in um, because my family, we were driving through the night. So we traveled, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, later at <laughs> nights and I was they were sleeping and resting, <laughs> though they would have loved it as well. And my wife enjoys the time that I, I spent on the uh, mastermind being able to connect because I'm often reminded of how thankful I am for her and everything she creates and mm -hmm. makes possible mm -hmm. for me to do. But it's in uh, just meeting with educators and leaders from around the country and world because we also have Clayton, who is from Australia. Right. And the fun part about it. Clayton is he gets to wish me happy birthday a day early every year. So he's, you know, a little bit further along in time zones than we are. And that's always fun. He gets to be first, even beats my wife at it. But that opportunity, I had a rough day the other day. Uh, it was just a challenging experience and opportunity in my school community to help support some students, but it was, it was challenging. And I was in, in some emotions for sure. Uh, but being able to connect with the mastermind and being able to just share with others and hear uh, both challenges that others were having, but also the strength that they provide one another to share and to grow and to acknowledge. Uh, I felt relief, a sense of relief that I had and just being able to talk about some of the challenges that I was facing and how I was feeling about those and hearing other people uh, having had similar experiences as well as encouragement to continue the work that we do because it can be hard. It can be isolating at times. And so the mastermind creates that 
that web. And even though I haven't, you know, I had the opportunity to meet some people from our mastermind in Philadelphia, by the way, you were mentioning, where did we get to gather together? That was in Philadelphia when we got to have lunch. But then we also gathered with some of the mastermind members in person and being able to do that in Philadelphia, as well as another time I got to celebrate with some individuals in New York. It's an amazing experience. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we've known each other for a really long time, but we, we meet weekly and we discuss uh, with each other and we brainstorm solutions and, and we're just not alone. And I think that mm-hmm. collective capacity within the group is evident. And when you really need it and you can feel it and you can see it, I remember just signing off and, and, and thanking everyone for being there that that meeting that evening was exactly what I needed after the long day that I had had that day. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. So I know you're very focused on making student days meaningful and that a teacher changed your life. Uh, making it meaningful to you. So can you just tell us that story or, or talk to us about like how that plays out at your school? Absolutely. So the the teacher that I, I remember still was in, it was in high school and growing up, uh, my educational experience was, you know, it was good. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. I had a pretty good educational experience, but that connection was just not something that I had felt until high school. And a, a teacher, Mr. Shinner was at my my school and and he was a literature teacher and he would just read with such enthusiasm and passion and he would jump, jump up on the desks. Pretty sure you, that's not OSHA approved anymore. So you got to be careful with that, but he would just speak with passion and, and he took a chance on me with the writing that I had. And he wanted to really just acknowledge uh, what he felt was uh, powerful in the way in which that I had completed a story. We, we wrote an alternate ending to a story. Uh, I was able to share that and he got it published and he got it put out there into a, a publication, like a student reader. It was uh, just a little article, but it was, it was meaningful to me because someone put their trust and their belief in me enough to share it with others. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. And so that idea that I could do anything, um, you know, we hear that on occasion, like, you know, shoot for what you really are passionate about and continue to seek it and we'll support it. He lived it, you know, and he would have nicknames for all of us. And so he always had just this passion and energy, but that, that changed my educational life. And at that point, I really started taking education way more seriously than I had previously. Uh, I believe that it helped me to become a better educator when I got into the education field because I knew how that felt for me. And I wanted other students to feel that as well. I wanted them to know that they had someone that believed in them and would help support them. Uh, so here at the school, we, we seek those opportunities that students are all growing and they're, they're gifts and those amazing gifts we want to continue to share with others. And so we'll create opportunities uh, for students to be able to share and affect change and know that they, they are valued and important. And so our fourth grade students a few years back had, had worked towards acknowledging uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. They really wanted that recognized in our county. And, and so they researched, they figured out how do we create a proclamation? How do we get that to go through and mm-hmm. become something in our, our government? And the teacher worked hard to create those opportunities and connected them with county supervisors who came in and taught them the process. So they were learning meaningful research as well as content. And then they were, they had to present it. They had to present it in Mm. city hall and they had to go first to committee. So they learned about governance structures. Um, So all these meaningful connections, but yet also identifying who they were as indigenous people. And so they, they shared that at the committee level and then it eventually got voted on and passed in Milwaukee County. So indigenous people's day that's recognized in Milwaukee County 
was started by fourth grade students at the Indian Community School. And that opportunity for them to see that on a calendar and know that that was them, they just graduated last year. And mm-hmm. so they were um, eighth graders who had that legacy. And I remember to, to share sharing that with them is that, you know, you changed our communities and you can always, um, you can continue to change communities that you encounter and sharing that with other students so that they see themselves as not just learners, but advocates for change when necessary, as well as, as speaking their truth. And how, what does that mean for them so that they don't grow up without uh, that sense of pride in who they are and knowing that that can still develop and change over time too. So uh, that's what we try to do here is just really acknowledge the diversity that exists in all communities, that opportunity to share with others and, and to, to continue to grow. But then we do it together. We collectively gather together our students from K-4 through eighth grade. They all they all present their grade levels uh, with teachings at different times, and they share that. They're teachers as well as students. And so we really do value that opportunity for our students to see themselves as as change agents, ruckus makers. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, what a story and what an experience, what an empowering experience for a young fourth grader to, I mean, the impact. And and they'll be telling that story forever, looking at the calendar and saying, we did this. And that that was a gift that your faculty, your school, you know, uh, was able to to help with. So that's that's amazing. I commend you on it. So we're at the last two questions I asked all my guests. Cannot wait to hear how you might answer these. Jason, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? On all marquees, that is a great question. There's so many uh, messages that I want to share with with families and with students and faculty. I I really value communities. I think that for me, it's always going to be relationships first and always. I think that that key is something that needs to be uh, true. And we've noticed that through the challenges that we've had here at, at schools and we've seen in communities is that we really have to be here for one another. And so it's those relationships first, everything else kind of follows, but it's also don't take them for granted. You know, it's often easy to build those relationships when it's easy. What do you do when it's difficult? How do you continue to reach out? And I think that that really uh, is the testament to the community that we have here is that, you know, even in challenging times, we really rally together. And that's through that relationships and capacity that we have, as well as our collective desire to do the very best that we can for each other. And the last question, you're building your dream school, right? You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school, Jason? And what would be your top three priorities? Awesome. So I believe I work at that dream school, right? Um, but that kind of <laughs> exactly. is a pretty pretty good answer for for the community that I serve. But I, I've been pretty uh, thankful for all the communities that have been fortunate enough to serve. For me, it really focuses on student experience. I think that you know when you're building a school, if I could build any school, I want that that school to be grounded in what do students need to thrive and feel a sense of belonging. And so that community that we build honors uh, everyone's. Uh, way of being, their sense of who they are, as well as continuing to create opportunities to develop that even further uh, through both space, as well as uh, the people that are there serving one another. I think the priority that I would have is is really establishing a community 
of learners that supports one another through all things. And so the very first priority is that community building and that understanding and that empathy and relationships that they have for one another. That's really important to me. The second priority is really engaging and learning not just in classrooms. I'm fortunate and thankful that we have an opportunity to have 170 acres of land that our kids Mm. get to kind of go around and, and explore and observe and be a part of and take care of and be thankful for. And so I think that connection towards all things environmental, whatever that looks like, because quite honestly, it can even be in an urban setting and that's an environment too. And how do we support one another and create opportunities in those settings? I think that's really important as we think about kind of place-based education and what does that look like for communities so that they really have a sense of uh, responsibility as well as uh, commitment to helping support. And then finally is you got to have fun. I think that, you know, often we are so, so stuck in what, what is next and what do we need to do and what are those compliance measures? And and we have to do those things and we get that uh, in education. But if you can find every day uh, an opportunity to have fun and celebrate the gifts that are in front of you and the experiences that you have, then that's a missed opportunity in my mind. I think that every day, even in those challenging days, like the one that I had the other day, there were so many amazing things that happened that day that I was proud and thankful for from students to families to staff, that even in our challenges and rough times, that they were able to continue to support one another and that we were able to still celebrate. Uh, We had some amazing students and amazing staff members that really stepped up in challenging times. And so that for me is, is acknowledge, acknowledge those moments. Really, really important. Miigwech, Jason, for being my guest on the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Ruckus makers, just remember that uh, you make a difference every single day. And it doesn't always feel that way, but know that you do. And if you haven't been told that today, know that you are appreciated and loved and it could not happen without you. So keep it up. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.